Well, hello, dear listener, and welcome to episode 64 of Making It Women in Film, a podcast where I sit down with women working across the film and TV industry to learn their story and hear all about their craft, career, and vigorous resilience. My name is Evita, and I am so excited to bring this week's episode, produced by Bonnie and Bra and Alice Films, to you. Today, I spoke with the co-directing duo, Carmine Pierre Dufour, who also wrote the short that we'll be talking about today, and co-director Sandrine Baudard-Derosy. Excuse my horrible pronunciation, if it was as bad as I feel it was. Um, now, Carmine and Sandrine are the co-directors of Fan Me, a French-Canadian Haitian Creole short film about a heartbroken daughter who receives the unexpected visit of a mother. To engrossed in her own sadness, Martine doesn't notice straight away that her mother is hiding something but progressively a bad feeling starts to take hold of her during this short stay these two very different women will have one less chance of getting closer to one another before they run out of time it is a, a really tender short it is currently going through the festival circuits and has already acquired several awards it is now also an oscar qualifying short film so we get into the experience of making this film um, and talk about mother-daughter relationships on screen so it's a really beautiful chat so i really hope you enjoy now i do want to note that throughout some of the recording there are some uh, like a, a, a low hum underneath um, i could not get rid of it but i hope that you can see the conversation for what it is and enjoy it very much now if you stick around to the very end as well as always there will be the round table hosted by myself and our researcher slash media assistant lauren San today we are talking about holiday movies that are not necessarily Christmassy or explicitly a holiday movie because god you already you already have your favorites you already know what you're going to be watching but if your family is like oh YN what should we watch you know everything about movies oh my god my brain is empty then here are some ideas that are a bit different they are from a wide range of genres for a wide range of audiences that can be enjoyed by most but like yeah there's something for everyone whether you're watching this with your partner your parents your family your siblings your children whatever it is i'm sure that there's something in there for you um so i hope you enjoy that i hope you have an amazing week and yeah just happy holidays enjoy this episode I am here with the directing duo, Sandrine and Carmen. How are you two doing? Um, I know, you know, actually, I just want to hear what's going on with your lives right now. What has your day been like today? Go ahead, Carmen. Life is I, busy, <laughs> busy and interesting. And I'm currently co-writing a feature with another friend of mine. and. And then I have a baby and he's sick and it's just balancing all of it together. But it's, you know, I'm just happy to be able to sit down now and have a nice chat. That'll be nice. <laughs> That's good. And you, Sandrine? I think we have the same life, <laughs> Carmen and I. <laughs> well, I, I've been uh, co-writing as well uh, my my second feature with uh, uh, a good friend and uh, my baby is also sick. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, all of that uh, pretty good day. <laughs> well, I mean, I think uh, with all of that on your plate, you're doing uh, incredibly well. Uh, and I'm so happy that you would make time out of your busy lives to sit down and talk with me. Um, 
now we're going to talk about everything that you guys have done you know you're talking about your projects right now and I know you've worked together and I just I want to get into it but before that I want to turn back the clock a little bit um, and I want to find out where your relationship with filmmaking began um, Sandrine let's start with you what did cinema mean to you when you were growing up uh, I was actually I, my parents uh, were in the business but more uh, on the TV side so uh, I grew up uh, with my mother who's a costume uh, designer for TV and film uh, with a lot of costumes and uh, my, my father is a director but we barely spoke about it at home it's more uh, in times uh, I, I encountered I, I was lucky enough to have uh, loans to pursue the, the uh, studying uh, in, in directing at Concordia University. But at first I was studying in music and theater. So uh, then I did a master in acting uh, in London at Drama Centre, uh, University of the Arts London. And I came back uh, for uh, script writing. But what it meant, I think what was the core uh, um, interest was uh, the characters. Uh, that's why I also wanted to get into theater uh, as as an actress was that uh, to embody or to experiment one's uh, one's uh, life and point of view and uh, how different but similar we are and ex and tell different stories uh, and see the the unique the unique parts of each stories and the sensitivity of each characters. And the nuances in life so all, all of that uh, I think it's what I, I was hoping to uh, at first discover as an actress but then uh, to be able to transpose on screen as the director and to hopefully uh, work towards empathy I think this is one of my main uh, the, the my main interest uh, the film that are nuanced and work on empathy Yes. No, that's beautiful. Um, so you said, you know, your parents worked in the industry and that. So did you, do you remember a time when you realized that that was what you wanted to do as well? Or was it always just kind of around you and it was just a, a given that that was what you were going to do? Uh, no, actually, I wanted to go in uh, in the mathematics. Really? <laughs> wow. But then my parents said, why don't you uh, go in arts? And I was like, <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I was going to say, that's like the opposite of every single artist story in the yes. world, isn't it? <laughs> I know. And I was like, why? But then they really wanted me to finish actually uh, studying in music. I was uh, studying cello. And I was like, when is it the end of studying cello? <laughs> they were like, never. So uh, at some point I had, like, uh, I decided that, that what I was very interested in was in theaters. And I got uh, uh, money to, to get into film. And then it all went along. I think it was yeah it, it just became something that I was doing yeah, yeah that's 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 really interesting uh, because I feel like either people you know kind of had to fight against their parents or they were just always like oh yeah I'll do the same thing you know so that's um I mean I'm, I'm very happy that you went into this direction because I love what you're making um Thanks. but wow but <laughs> I mean every job is uh, have their their ups and downs I think so it's better to do something that that you like but I, I guess I would have liked mathematics too but 
I don't know where I ended up uh, in film. <laughs> Do you ever think you'll become a mathematician? No, I, d- I don't think I would go back uh, at uh, go back to school to study mathematics. I think it's too late. But maybe not if I if I that'd be really funny. That'd be like know. a twist. <laughs> it really would be, yeah. Uh, I mean, keep us updated, you know, if you suddenly wake up and you're like, I need to do this now, I'm, <laughs> I'm done with writing, I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> but it's actually, a, 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 it's useful mathematics in writing and directing because the shots, the angles and everything. So it gathered that interest as well. But that, I, I was not very good in mathematics either. So I think it was a very strange interest. But um, I mean, I, I liked it. Yeah. So why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always something. There's something to learn from everything, you know. As you said, like yeah. being able to understand the technical parts of filmmaking is also really important because, yeah, you can tell a story, but do you know how it's actually going to look on set, and what does that mean? And it's not the same as it is on paper. So yeah, no. definitely. Yeah, the multitask aspect. I mean, I, I don't. Know. I hate math. Yeah. I hate math. I hate math. <laughs> I just I, I, so I, I respect I love that someone can love and respect it. Yeah. I know. I never like it. I know it. it is it is it is a rare thing to hear especially from an artist. Um Carmen what was it like for you growing up? Uh yeah, I think to me it was um I feel like film and television in general were like places to like escape um that I thought were just great and wonderful I was always like the kid who people are playing outside and it's sunny and I'm inside watching like you know when like the cable channels were like unplugged and you could watch everything and like I'm just like binging before binging is a thing and watching all that I can my brother's coming back in and saying like that movie is like a historical movie they forced us to watch like why are you watching that and I'm like because it's fascinating because who are these characters that I can find myself relating to who are like, I don't know, like living like centuries away from me. And I have nothing in common on paper with this man, but suddenly I care and I want to understand his journey and I, I empathize with him. So I think what something was saying about empathy, that was, that resonates with me too. I think uh, films are great tools of empathy and that's what it is to be human is to, to be in relation with others and try to understand others. And I think film helps us do that. So that was always something that I, I thought was interesting, but I didn't really think it was accessible. Like, um, I think my parents were not in the field and I didn't know anybody who was. And so it was, I think, more of the typical artist journey of like who, you know, I there's this thing and how do I get to this thing? And is that is there a job there? What's the job? So I was always in parallel interesting in writing. Um, I think the minute I learned how to write, I wanted to tell stories. So like I would fill notebooks with all these like invented stories or inspire myself from movies and, and like change the ending and do all this stuff. So I think it was like, I always had that, but I didn't know how the two came together until much later um, in life when finally, yeah, I went to Concordia University. I studied communications. Um, and that just started opening the door towards like, oh yeah, like here, like in film, there's scripts and people write the scripts and then there's directors who come in and all of these steps and just understanding the basic of it. Um, and then I pursued, I did a master's at Syracuse University um, where I could dig in a little further. And 
I even got a chance to move to LA for a year and live there um, and just experiment the in industry from inside, which was great and very scary all at once. And uh, now here I am back in Montreal making short films. <laughs> so that's my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. That is that that's a journey, you know, um, when do you think you had that moment where you realized that this was this was it? Uh, because, you know, you said you were struggling to kind of find uh, find kind of the, the path and the direction and, and where to get to the point where you are. Um, do you think there was a, a moment um, where you just threw like where you like I'm all in? I think so. I think there's um there's a moment where um, it was in, during my bachelor's degree because um, I was I was into acting at the beginning as well, just like Sandrine. Um, we have that also in common where, so I thought, I was like, oh, acting, I'll be in front of the camera. That's like, I see that, actors. <laughs> and then um, I got to do, um, there was this program called Black Theatre Workshop, um, and we got to write plays and then be in it. And it was like all supported and it was really great. And just the experience of then writing it and then being able to be in it, I was just like, oh, I don't know what I prefer. <laughs> There's something about the writing of it that was really like a fun, interesting part that that's like, I'm writing dialogue. And then people get to do it. And, you know, I think so. I think from that point on, it was sort of like, oh, yeah, this is like a job and this is a thing. And and if there is a path to do that, that's what I would like to do. Right. Yeah. And and I guess, like, when when did you two meet then? What's the story there? Do you want to go ahead? <laughs> we met. It was actually so it was Francois. Francois Bonneau, our producer, is how we met. Um, and he, so I had presented um, he the, the short film to him, the script for Fami uh, back in the day, back in 2013, which wow, is like a long that's... time ago. Mm -hmm. And um, yep, yeah, back in 2013. And he was like, I love it. Um, and I wasn't, I directing wasn't even like a possibility in my mind back then. It wasn't like, it didn't exist. Um, And then, uh, so we were like, let's find a, a director, let's find someone who it would work with. And he was like, I know this girl, something, I think she would be great. Um, I think you two should meet. And then he arranged so that we could meet. And that's how it started, right? Am I? Is that? Yes. No, that's, that's how it, that's how we met. Uh, so it was for this short film. And then afterwards, uh, Carmen had an, ex well, it took, it took a long time be before we actually entered uh, in production for for doing the short uh, it took i i think seven years if i remember correctly so uh we worked a lot on this short uh, to get uh, anyway for a lot of reasons and uh then we finally um uh, carmen had the time to actually co-direct another short film so when when i saw that i was like well You have to direct your short film. I I, I will not uh, interrupt this uh, this. Uh, uh, I mean, it's very important for me that uh, that authors are happy with what they are doing. And if if she wanted to take the lead and direct her short film, it was very natural for me that she would do that. Uh, but then uh, then we spoke and. But I was like, no, Sandrine, no. <laughs> I was like, no, because we spent like six years at least developing it together. And the way the, the script uh, took shape was also because of her feedback. And 
and us collaborating on this. So I, I didn't, I just didn't feel like I could just walk and be like, okay, bye. Thank you. Now it's mine. Um, so I, I felt like we shared this journey. No, it's true. I felt like we felt that we shared this journey and to, we needed to and see it through working together. Working together so was also we like, we, we really wanted each other to be happy. So we worked a lot on, on each other's happiness. I think, I don't know if you feel the same, Carmen, but uh, it feels like uh, we had to, yeah, yes. so it, it was not Agreed. necessarily compromise, but it was mostly like, how can we both be very happy with the decisions we make? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important thing, I think, in a partnership. Um, Kayamin, then, where did this story begin? Where where does it come from? And, and uh, yeah, just tell me. Tell me the origin of Fami. Um, it's funny because it comes from originally sort of me, um, you know, as a writer, you like you write these things and you need deadlines sometimes to move forward and to feel like, okay, now I have to do this. And so there was a deadline of... Um, a short film, a short like script writing competition. And it, so, and it was, you had to adapt a short story. So I was like, let me, that's a good thing. That's a deadline. It'll force me to write a short film script and get it done. Um, and so I found um, actually my, my now boyfriend, who was just a friend back then, um, recommended this book um, uh, filled with different short stories from Monique Proulx. Les Aurores Montréal, it's called, and uh, there was the story of Fami in it. Um, and then I adapted it, uh, of course, so that it's um, actually set more as a, in a Haitian family. So that was like what I added as a layer of like a personal sort of like anchoring it into what I know best. Um, but it really is born from um, having to trying to like write material and find material and find interesting things and then finding this competition and being like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make the deadline. And then actually then being chosen to be part of like um, the group that gets to workshop the work. So I was just like, it was a big moment in my career of feeling like, like, am I more of a screenwriter now? I think I am. Somebody wrote, like read what I wrote and like liked it. So this is the thing. <laughs> so it really started like that, but um, the story resonated to me, uh, the short story why it resonated was because it was just this very authentic mother-daughter relationship that I think is rare to, to that, that is not seen often on screen, that is not even like just like discussed in general, you know, we love our mothers, but there's all these ways that we are exactly like them that can drive us crazy. Sometimes there's so many different ways where we are different from them that can also drive us crazy, um, but it's all embedded in love and like unconditional love, you know, so I think um, all of that was coming through when I read that short story and I just felt really compelled by it. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think um, it was just a portrayal of like a mother-daughter relationship that we we don't get to see often because, it, you know, we are like our mothers sometimes in ways that are very similar and that can drive us crazy. And there are ways that we are very different and that can drive us crazy. Um, but it's all really like embedded in love, right? It's all this unconditional love that is stronger than everything. So I thought, yeah, that just really spoke to me and resonated with me. Sandine, when you when you came across this story, what was it about it that made you go, hey, I do want to work on this? I think, uh, well, it's this mother-daughter relationship uh, that I think that's what's the most uh, uh, important. But also I, I saw a very 
beautiful challenge in the unspoken, uh, what was uns unsaid in the film, and how to portray uh, the silences and the, not not just with uh, pauses and everything, but with the mise en scène, the way we would uh, actually uh, uh, film it. Uh, so camera angles, the 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 shot list, the the, the lights. So how could we uh, uh, elevate that, uh, what was unspoken uh, between those two women, which was also, uh, which is also the intuition of the daughter, for those who have seen the film, this, uh, she has an intuition at some point that something might not be right. So uh, how, how could we uh, portray that, uh, uh, put that on, bring that on screen and that uh, it would not be too highlighted yet uh, well in a nuanced way it, it loops back with my interest of nuances but um so i saw that challenge and also the the way carmen had wrote that story was so sensitive i was inspired i really liked the the way she translated that story with uh, uh, uh with with these two women uh and also the relation with the uh, it that was uh, very sensitive uh, i was very touched by it so uh, uh yeah so it was uh, yes the this the, the 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 base of the short story but really much how carmen um uh, uh yeah uh, wrote it or or translated it in film mm -hmm. and yeah 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 i, I think it makes sense hearing that it was based off a short story because as you're saying I, I think the most beautiful part about this is how much you managed to say without saying anything um it, it's there's a, an incredible delicacy that you can see written I can I can hear the narrative I can hear the voice without the dialogue um, and you managed to get that on screen visually without bringing in a voiceover or something to explain it you know I, I think your actors were incredible as well I mean uh, so much power in in every uh, every look uh, every action uh, every movement oh, thank you <laughs> we really it was a Kevin has a very good story about yeah. yeah, about how how she she managed to get the, one of the actresses in the film. Yeah, yeah, I do because there are so as you said. Yes, if you want us to share it, <laughs> I can because it's a nice, <laughs> a little embarrassing for me, but a good one, I think. <laughs> um, so the um, we have um two really good actresses, as you mentioned, they're you know, really talented actresses who are working a lot um, in Quebec, um, thankfully, because they should um, be. Uh, and so it was, we were like, how are we going to manage to get them for this short film that is like, basically we made this with our own money and with a lot of love, you know? So uh, we didn't quite have much to offer back to them, um, but we knew we wanted them. And so I am at a restaurant with uh, some of my friends for my birthday and um, Mireille, who plays the mother, um, she is in a play at the at the time and she's going to dinner with her whole theater group and so there's like a whole group of actors who are coming in one by one and then she comes in she sees the table of like me and two other black women and she just like nods us at us in a polite like like black women 
I see you moment. And then she goes to take a seat. And I tell my friends, like, this is the actress I want. This is the actress I want. And I'm like, I'm going to find a way. I'm just going to corner her. I'm going to corner her. I'm just going to go and talk to her, right? I'm just going to do it. Um, uh, before that, just to be clear, I had emailed her the script. So it wasn't just like I emailed the script to her. So I knew she had the script. So, in, you know, at least. Uh, but I, I did wait like <laughs> like a creepy person that she went to the bathroom. And then I followed her in, pretended to wash my hands, waited until she came out. And then I was like, oh, hey. Oh my God! What are the odds? Like, you, you know, I'm I'm just this filmmaker. Remember, I so emailed crazy. you, and she's just wild. like, it was crazy. And she's just like, she's hearing me like, I'm like I sent you the script. I don't know if you have time to read it. I know you're busy. We'd love to have you. Blah blah. All of that. I'm just giving her my my pitch, and she's just like looking at me and calming me down. And she's just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it was just like, how can she be so wonderful? How can she just like promise to do? this little short film from this filmmaker she doesn't even know um but she did she's just so generous and so so lovely and so just so many things <laughs> so we were we really appreciated um having her on board <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they just both did so amazing and and i think as well you know for you to have waited seven years and then some because it wasn't just in 20 like I'm, I'm sure this story lingered with you for a long time before even the process began uh, to finally see it through I mean you, you have to be attached to it right like that must be very precious very very and I think towards towards the um because like in Quebec you get to like submit to all these funds and you know like the arts are like ma mainly government uh, funded you know and we submitted to all the things that we could and kept on getting like no or uh, almost like we appreciated it but but um so it was really heartbreaking for many 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 years um and i'm just i feel very lucky that sandrine and Francois, our producer um were just like let's keep going like we're just gonna find a way and then ultimately it was the decision of like do we still just make it do we try to make it with our own money you know, and it's in my apartment <laughs> and like the actresses are wearing my mom's clothes and my clothes actually. And uh, Francois's uh, mom is making food for us. And Sandrine's mom is obviously the costume designer because she actually does that for a living. Um, but everybody's just helping us and, you know, and pitching in and like, it was just such a labor of love. So yeah, it, it meant a lot after spending all these years trying to make it happen to be like, no, we're making it on our own and we're just like pulling all our resources and making it our, on our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how did it feel to then finally get it on screen, on camera? Was it strange? I think we went through so many stages and so many modifications and the last ones were mostly for budget. So uh, I think we were happy. I think we ended up with a film that we actually what I liked with a good team is that you end up proud <laughs> so we were kind of proud of the <laughs> film and the the process and everything and uh, to see it as a team and being being just proud by finishing it because afterwards you never know what what the outcome will be and you can love a film and no festival takes it or you can be happy but it was very hard to do a film but then it 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 does it gets all the honor but it, so it, it it you you don't know the outcome so the to be happy as a team i think was uh, was very important for me 
and uh, and also just to accomplish it after all these years of uh, working on it, I think we we felt proud, and the outcome is way above what we were thinking. We we feel so uh, happy and uh, that it reached its audience, uh, especially. Uh, that people liked and, and felt what we wanted to, because it's, as we said, it's something that was a lot uh, with silences and, and subtle, su subtlety. So to have um, people coming in and, and being empathetic with the characters, thinking about their, their parents or parents figure, whomever they are, uh, we really felt uh, good. <laughs> heard also but uh, <laughs> we felt that it, it, it connected with people and I think that's the most important uh, thing uh, and yes uh, and yeah we were surprised uh, and we were also well I was surprised I don't want to talk for Camille but we talked about it so I say we but uh, I don't want to talk for you Camille you can I will let you enjoy afterwards uh, but the the fact that it, it's not a film that is set for like um, having a punch at the end or having something that is uh, uh, it's not a thriller it's something uh, more subtle and we f I, I feel happy that th this kind of film is heard and people can connect to this material uh, so yeah I felt I, I felt proud yeah but I, but I share the pride I definitely share the pride and I think um, for me, it was like just the emotional as well, just very emotional. I was just very like, I think there was a joke Andrin said at the beginning, when we first, the first few times watched the film, like I would always be crying. Like, it's like, it was just too much of like everything is finally happening, you know, and it, it, we had the pandemic too, like after we, we shot right before of the course. pandemic, so that was good. But then the pandemic hit and it was just like all the editing and the post-production was remote which sounds like oh that's fine but it was it was complicated you know and it was adding this layer of like the world is ending will we ever finish this film you know like it was just mm -hmm. a lot and then finally when it, it just it was done uh when it was finally done it was just yes I I just couldn't believe that we finally got it and it represented so much of my life you know just mm -hmm. so many like so many of these milestones that I was talking about where it, it felt like it was the first script that made me feel like a screenwriter and now it's finally out there so then I am a screenwriter. I did it, you know, like it was just you are. every time you it are. just felt really emotional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And and I mean, I think the fact that you stuck with it for so long is incredible. I mean, most most people, you know, when they when they start out or, or most people who wanted to, they've they've had these ideas and, you know, for, for various reasons, you know, most people don't have the ability to to stick with it, whether that's personal or external it's it's something that's really really difficult um and so to finally see it kind of be done as well I think I've had projects that have taken years to finish and when I'm also done it there's also a sadness in a way of like oh it's finished like I don't have to think about this anymore and, and you kind of have to let go of it as well you can't at a certain point you have to stop editing you know at a certain point it is finished um, and to let go of it as well and yeah. be like you're you're good now you're okay you're grown up yeah. <laughs> you know you can be yeah. on your own um, 
it's a, yeah. a weird feeling <laughs> you get to go out in the world now exactly yeah. be gone yeah. <laughs> but it's strange because uh, the, uh my perspective changed on the film as well because uh when we did it i, I think i i stuck to the 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 point of view of the daughter or not I, well i was thinking about the mother too but it was uh, i think it was clear that we were closer to the daughter but then by by the end of the project when it finally got to festivals uh, i became a mother so so seeing it seeing the film uh, i think it's when i was crying <laughs> when i saw the film through the mother's yeah. eyes yeah. it was it uh, like <laughs> I was destroyed, and it, it, it was um, it was a it was great to change that perspective. But it was also very funny when <laughs> not funny, but it was very touching the first time we were watching it with Carmen. <laughs> Every time she was crying at the same spot, but like at the third viewing, I was just watching her <laughs> to see when the tears would when would go down. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I was just, it was just, it was so, and the performances, their performances, it's just like, every time I'm like, I'm going to keep it together, and then the balcony scene, and every time yeah. I lose it, it was just like, and I'm like, I, I manufactured this, I should know, but um, no, <laughs> it, it got me every But time. it was, we had this kind of, we had this epiphany on set, uh, is it the word epiphany, I don't know, but we had this moment on, sta uh, on stage on, on, on when we were shooting the scene with the mother and daughter when she speaks the Creole. Uh, I mean, we were all in tears. Uh, so we, the, the, the moment we lived on set with these people was so uh, uh, genuine and intense and love with a lot of love. So I think it brings all of that. Uh, <laughs> Mm -hmm. generosity from from the actors yeah so, yeah they, they were magical mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no no truly and i mean it's so amazing to hear that you still feel that way as well because you know it could have gone the other way and you were sick and tired of it you know um but it's it's clearly it has something um obviously for our listeners who haven't watched the short yet um what was it about seeing it from the mother's perspective what was it that you saw that you hadn't seen before about the story that changed it for you? Sandrine, if you want to elaborate. Well, it's not necessarily that I, I didn't consider it, but it's most it's just the change of perspective, just being in the shoes now. Uh, I think it's different to empathize with the situation and actually uh, living it. So uh so this change was just different uh, when the uh, everything that the mother do actually to protect her daughter uh and yeah i just felt it was uh, heartbreaking because i felt i uh, I, I could do that for my daughter now <laughs> so it's not necessarily that i didn't consider it but it's, yeah it was just that i had other shoes now i had both shoes it took seven years, so, you know, we, and then we had, or actually, I was pregnant first, and then, so it's all until, after she told me she was pregnant too, and we have a picture of our bumps, and it's all of that wonderful stuff, but, um, uh, yeah, I think it is, it is just the, um, the strength of the mom, um, just how strong she is being for her daughter, how she's just trying to protect her and make sure, yeah, it's like that, that, it's like, 
you're not it's not the role of a parent to like hurt the child to have bad news to give to the child you know and and so that's what you do is what you do is try to protect until the end and it doesn't matter if the child is a grown woman now doesn't matter you know doesn't matter that she can take care of you it is that instinctual like what I want to do is protect her for as long as I can about this um and I do think like to me was also sort of working on these type of like with my own mother and the type of like fears that I have with our relationship and and like would she tell me if she was sick and and I hope she does because we can I want us to talk and I want to be there for her so I think it was just all this type of stuff once you become the mom as well I think you're seeing that other perspective and understanding why so it it may be frustrating as a daughter to be like no why wouldn't you tell me tell me what's going on but the mom's like I I I will but as long as I can protect you I'm going to do that you know and I think it just became more powerful after your you switch shoes so what is your goal with this short film um Carmine if you want to go I mean, the goal is always just to touch people. <laughs> the goal is always for as many people to see it uh, and be touched by it and recognize themselves, uh, their mothers, their fathers, their whoever was their parental figure for them. I think that's that's always the goal as a filmmaker. And, and it's not to say like, uh, <laughs> I mean, and I think, I guess I, I used to say like, uh, I want people to get out and then call their moms or want to message their moms, you know, like, it's like wanting to reach out to the person who take care of you and who is there in the bad times and the good times. Like that is sort of the feeling of course that you want people to have, but, but it is, it, it's, it's also just to take it in and to receive it and, and to recognize as human beings, you know, we have to take the time to say, I love you to one another more often. And, you know, all these things, but, but hopefully people just take their own, um, sort of perspective on it just watching it and taking it in that's all I want you know <laughs> yeah Sandrine um, I think it was to share that story again I think um, there's no moral in this film it's more like how both mother and daughter are stuck in a situation so I think that was interesting to me and just to um to, to raise these questions and without answering them necessarily, but there's there's an ending, there's something to reflect on. So uh, I think to to share that with an audience is uh, is it yeah I think it's it's a privilege to be able to share uh, ideas uh, with like as a filmmaker. So to do it in such a way that uh, they they would think about what what happen happens in their lives um so doing so it, it would reach maybe a more personal spot um but then also to entertain <laughs> uh, sometimes we fall into the deepness of the arts yeah. <laughs> but uh, to entertain as well to bring uh, some elements that would be a little bit uh, uh, original i hope and uh, so so the way we tell the story and to try to reach that audience both uh, with the themes but also uh, with the way we were doing mm -hmm. it so uh, but I, I think I, I joined the voice of Carmen saying just to share it and to uh, to yeah to connect with people with, through that story would be the main 
motivation yeah. and to call to call their loved ones and maybe maybe some if some uh want to deal with some things they don't want to say out loud sometimes that's yeah but it's not always the, 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 the there's not always a possibility to it so it's not a, so it's not like you should deal with your stuff but if if it hits home uh, sometimes it's it's good uh, i know i know right reading that story for me i was like okay i have to say out loud some of this stuff some of this stuff for it to be dealt with so between my mom and i or my parents <laughs> so it's it's good to voice it um sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> so to gain the courage to do it when it's possible yeah yeah exactly i i think what i did really enjoy was how it felt like there really was no judgment of the characters of the viewer of how they were feeling when they watched it it just felt um like acceptance and and unconditional love and understanding um of empathy really just empathy pure empathy um and as you said no no morale no like this is what you should do um i think most people will probably feel a similar sense you know when they watch it whether it is with the relationship with the mother or somebody else i think these kinds of strains um which you know um can be kept from wanting to protect somebody else or wanting to not let somebody else down those kinds of relationships um, are really difficult um, but to see it on screen I felt was very releasing like it felt relieving watching it like a weight just pulled off because you're like oh yeah this is this is how it is you know this is something unheard of uh, it's not something that's just a problem with me and this person it is uh, you I think also empathy can come in a way of um, empathizing with peoples whose experiences you've never had and who you've never met or thought about, but you know you can get to see through their perspective. But I think there's also something about empathizing with yourself by seeing your situation on screen and realizing what it is when you look at it from the outside. Yeah, it's also not always. Uh, it's it's not always. Uh, easy to empathize with something that's hurtful as well and painful you know um it'd be easy if you could very easily pick a, a hero and a villain but there is no hero and villain um and that's where you get that conflict as well and you kind of have to confront it a little bit yeah i think there's also something about that's it like that sort of um what's complex is like so the the day you your your mother or your parental figure tells you they are sick and that they are they may die and that it's you know it's like a, a very horrible terrible moment um it, you always hope that then your life is like aligned and just waiting for it you know that, that that you'll be able to make space at that time and i think what was interesting to me initially and that was in the short story itself is sort of like if you're kind of caught you're caught up in your own life all the time right and it's sort of like i guess my hidden guilt of that is now exposed um of of not being able to pay attention to that you know of being so caught up in my own problems as i usually am in my life uh, that i wouldn't be able to see the, like the the cries for help the the need for my presence you know that i wouldn't be able to read and intuitively understand that you know and i think that's that's part of that growing light that's part of like why it takes the time that it takes for her to come to that realization and that's how it grows that way 
that's part of the story is how it's just it's hard even if you're you're like we're we're sitting down we're gonna have a conversation you can try to talk about real things but the subtext there's still subtext underneath that that you're not talking about and how do you then have an open relationship if it's you can never get to the the deeper levels you know so i think it was it was the exploration of how complex and multi-layered it is to when it's a relationship that you've had through your whole life uh, and that you you were a child now you're a grown person you know like how that evolves through time i think it was like trying to layer all of these little things within this very very short film yeah yeah i mean you get to cover so much and i think that's the art of short films as well is being able to slice out something of a life and still have all the layers without all the background you know uh, to capture all of that it's just so impressive like short story short films are so underrated they truly are i mean it is masterful to be able to do that much in 15 minutes it, it shouldn't it shouldn't be legal you know like <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> and it's true i mean i agree I, when I, i'm watching so many other short films too like i'm just like oh wow like it, it's like a an art form that should be more like <laughs> respected and praised <laughs> exactly agree. exactly i i wish uh, i hope that at some point we can find a way to kind of you know have short films not just be viewed by other filmmakers because i think that's kind of what it is right now you know we're mm-hmm you know we're all making yeah. short films so we're all watching each other's but it's not you know out there generally um but they should be because my god well i guess i can move on to uh, talking a little bit about awards uh first of all how do you guys feel about awards what are your thoughts on awards in in the arts arts business that's a good uh, question big question <laughs> i mean no but we all we always hope for awards, but I guess it's uh, it's mostly to have the recognition that it reached its audience. Uh, for me, anyway, it's and it's to keep on going. <laughs> so, if you have some awards, uh, people see you more or value value more. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I think it's the way people receive the film that really matters, and the way. Uh, uh, what we hear in theaters when we 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 listen as a, <laughs> and nobody knows that you are the filmmaker, <laughs> so uh, and the 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 comeback we had some comments uh, saying that uh, the characters made reflect about their own relationship with their parents and are hit home in certain way. So this is what what matters, I think, but. For this short film especially, we were very surprised with the journey uh, as we all made it by ourselves. Uh, we had an amazing crew of all, uh, like it's all people that work in the industry that uh, that really supported us uh, for uh, doing the film and actually made the film with us. Uh, we we uh, highlight the fact that we were a very good team. <laughs> And that uh, we had very good people that, uh, with us. So, um, but uh, nonetheless, we did it with our own money. So uh, we, we never expected that uh, the film would uh, go as far as it goes right now, uh, going to the TIFF, Canada Top 10, uh, uh, in the US, in various, uh, uh, in various uh, uh, festivals. Uh, so, so yeah, we feel very, very, very lucky of the, the path that the film is doing. 
like I, I think we're allowed to say it and I think um, we you know what's surprising with this film and I, I agree with Sandrine in general I think like it's it's um, awards are great in the sense of like oh when you get one and people now pay more attention to your work and it gives more access and you know and then you're able to do more work like faster in a certain way you know so I think that's what they're great for and I think if you're waiting for awards then you'll have a very sad and long life like that's not the point of it all because you don't like rare are the people who are just showered with awards all the time you know so you can't attach your worth on it I don't think so but for this film particularly to be like we've made it with our own money we worked really hard it took seven years to make and now like at Provincetown we we had the chance to win this Oscar qualifying award, which for best narrative short film. So like, that's like major, that's suddenly an award. I'm so, you know, of all the things I'm like, an award, that's, that's touching, that's great. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh my God, that's huge. Are you kidding? After all that we've gone through, like, that's wild. That's just wild. So like, that felt really like, particularly just like, it was just touching. It was just moving to be like, oh, wow. Like these people at the Provincetown, this wonderful festival are like, yes, you guys, it's you. You're the best narrative short film. And look, look how that qualifies you now. Like, you can just, like, start that campaign. Like, that's that's incredible. That's just, I don't know. That's, that's my first knee-jerk reaction to this big award that we won. But um, <laughs> I guess it was, to me, it's the first time that that happened. But I mean, and congratulations it, so on that. Why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we we felt very uh, lucky, but uh, we felt happy that, uh, yeah, and especially it's a film that is, uh, as we said, more into nuances and and empathy. It's sensitive, it's complex, so uh, it's not something that would uh, like have a punch at the end. But we also feel that it's important to have uh, nuances in film, so it also uh, opens the door to a different kind of film. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Now, um, obviously, um, we all love movies. We love television. Um, that's kind of part of the deal. Um, if you have anything else to say, I, I think I kind of have to remove you from this stream right now. Like, um, come on. I know, like, you've already, like, Sandrine, you already have one strike with the mathematician stuff. <laughs> um, so very thin ice here. Um, but I do want to get some movie or TV show recommendations from you guys. So you need to take a turn on these questions. Um First of all, I want to hear about a movie or a show that inspired you. It doesn't have to be recent, but something when you watched it made you go, I need to write. <laughs> there's, it, these questions are so unfair because there's so much, you know, exactly. We are on this podcast because we consume all these things and watch all these things, right? So it's very hard to pick one thing. Uh, so I'm, I'm always like ready to cheat and be like, I'm going to pay something that's recent because or else there's just too much so I'm going to say recent stuff and I'm going to say a couple because I can't choose one okay so I would say that recently I saw um uh, Cette Maison de, uh, from Miriam Charles uh, so she's um, a French-Canadian uh, uh, filmmaker of Haitian origins uh, and her movie just resonated with me and inspired me and made me want to like go home right away and like write and then also write to every single person that was involved like to her and to the whole cast and compliment them on their work and it was just it's she deals with like one of the most difficult subject matters i've ever heard 
in the most poetic, visually interesting, yet still like luminous way. And I think that's impressive. Um, so I will say that for sure. I will say also um, Tar uh, by, um, I'm gonna say the wrong Todd, Todd Haynes, Todd Haynes, the correct Todd. There's too many Todds <laughs> who are filmmakers <laughs> in my head. Um, so it's with Kate Blanchett and that's um, just delicious. It's just delicious. Like I like just her acting is incredible. I don't know. It's just like um, the character's just like going through this journey of like, you see her fall apart and just the more glorious the character and then you just pick them apart and make them fall apart. I think that's just like beautiful, wonderful, juicy. That's all I want to watch and eat and consume. And and so I'm, I'm going to say these two things just out of nowhere because those are the two things I can think of who recently inspired me because I can't even go mm -hmm. back to all of the inspirations it's too much okay i'll say one maybe one inspiration one more, one. One i'll say i'll yeah one more you can't I'll get me to stop it. once i I'll start like it. this um thank you i'll say then i'll say moonlight because moonlight is the foundation of my life right now so um moonlight barry jenkins need i say more okay i will um it's just so it's incredible i, I read recently that he after barry jenkins sorry I know we want to talk to him, but I read recently, or I heard recently that um, there are two chapters in the play um, that it's adapted from a play and that it was like the first two parts, like from when he's a kid and when he's a teen and that the one in adulthood was added by Barry Jenkins. And that's insane because it, it's like, I think the play must have been beautiful and strong, but that third part, the shot when you get into him, like in it working out in his room by himself and you're like, how did he become this guy? You know, that to me made the whole entire movie, you know? So it was just like the brilliance that is Barry Jenkins. I don't know what to say more than that. What what bigger tool of empathy is seeing this one character, this person that you would judge in the street, that you would be like, oh, he's like a drug dealer or whatever with like, you know, I, I wouldn't think twice on about him. And then learning how beautiful his interior life is, what I'm missing about that person, what I'm not seeing. Like, I think that's just one of the most powerful things. So there you go. <laughs> I couldn't Sorry. agree more. I couldn't agree more. So following on Kervin's uh, inspiration, I will say also Moonlight because it was our main inspiration for Kami. We discussed it a lot and we would, uh, our dream is to talk to the director. So, <laughs> so we'll try that sometime. Uh, uh, then uh, I didn't see Miriam Shell's uh, film, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So I'm sure it's going to be in my, on my list too. I love her work. Um, I would also say uh, more recent work. I saw The Last Queen, which is the first period uh, feature made in Algeria, I believe. And uh, it's uh, it was very interesting. It's based on um, uh, it's not a legend, but it's uh, something that uh, uh, it's, yeah you have to see it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. it went to uh, Ven Venice, uh, and it it was very interesting. Uh, it's also great that uh, it's a woman that is a lead. Uh, She's a, she's an amazing actress and the director. Uh, well, they both directed the the, the actress and another director and the director Demi. Uh, so they co-directed if I if I say if I'm correct. Uh, very interesting work. 
Um, also, uh, I would say Sweetie from Jane Campion, just because it's one of my 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 favorite. <laughs> I love that film. I love the way it's shot. I love the family story. Uh, story. Uh, uh, I love everything in that film. And uh, then uh, Kaufman, uh, Charlie Kaufman, Eternal Sunshine. Well, everything that he wrote, Charlie Kaufman, the way it's kind of a bit quirky uh, and. Uh, yeah, I, I love the way he writes and the story he's doing are, are always surprising, uh, yet very intelligent and philosophical. So, uh, yeah, I love his work. It's uh, so I, hard. I it's impossible. One person. It's like, like, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like every, every person I, I interact with here, I just, I mean, the inspiration oozes, you know, it's just, uh, it never ends. It never ends. Now, on a little less of an inspiring note, I want to hear about your guilty pleasures. Tell me, tell me a show or a movie that you might be a little bit embarrassed about, but it gives you joy. It brings you joy. Oh, I can start. It's an easy one for me. Uh, I'm listening to The Office. Uh, uh, like I, since the pandemic started, it's like a loop. I, I can't even say how many times I watch the whole season. Uh, it's just an eternal loop. Uh, and we, would, we said that we would stop by the end of the pandemic, but it seems like it's never like it's never ending thing. So I'm just afraid it's gonna stay in our like our lives. <laughs> I was gonna say I watch a lot of television, I do. Um, and so, like, the first thing, I was just like, oh, like, the crown, you mean? And I was like, oh, no, I guess that's uh, <laughs> the White Lotus. Or I have, like, so many that I'm like, no, you mean, like, the things I can't live without? And it's like, I the crown, I had to, like, like convince my boyfriend to be like, oh, here, like, if, if I give you a massage, can I get another episode? Like, I just want to watch all of them now. So not quite guilty pleasures, but there are things that I'm, like, consuming at a pace that's just unhealthy. But so I feel ashamed of, like, the unhealthy cringe, the, like, binge that I'm doing. Um, but a, a real, real, real guilty pleasure, I think, is um, never have I ever. I feel like because I'm like a grown up. <laughs> oh, God. Um, and it, but it's just about it's just this this Indian American w girl, and she's just like with her geek friends. And I guess I'm like, oh, that's like what I wish I could have watched back then because it felt like true representation. It felt like just a portrayal of like high school that isn't like like euphoria is super cool but it's like it's so dark and so like they're all so messed up and I was just like my life was just like very boring and average and and just like awkward like these girls so I find myself watching it and being like oh it's just like comforting because it's like like little Kamin is really happy right now so that's a real guilty pleasure <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I like seeing the awkward and the dorky, you know. <laughs> yeah. I also have like a Christmas. Uh... <laughs> oh, I mean, I feel like any, I feel like anything that's Christmas is just, yeah. it's in a different genre. You can't, you can't criticize it. You know, it doesn't abide to the standards of, of other cinema. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, like but we started Christmas last year, uh, last week we started. You started Elf, last week, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm so. And we, we're probably gonna listen to it like three or four times, and then we're gonna try to stop. So Elf and Super Bad is also 
our also oh, no. film okay, yeah i'm sorry no, i'm watching I, it every uh, year <laughs> this is a confessional booth yeah, yeah. But I, I have to be super bad is 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 a friendship story so i i, I get comfort in the the feeling that the two little boys say like it's not about like they say it's about like love and all these stereotypes but at the end it's a it's oh. a friendship story oh. <laughs> <laughs> but i know uh, you were like uh, i was not expecting yeah, them to go yeah. so hard That's a reference to people listening <laughs> yeah. yeah no i i wasn't i wasn't mostly people will be like um love island and then they'll quickly move on yeah, you know yeah. we, um, we dig but deep i i appreciate it also for reference Yeah, for reference to people listening, um, we're currently recording this uh, middle of November. Um, yes. So that means if you started watching Christmas movies a week ago, that was like, you were like, okay, oh, yeah. okay, we're in it. We're she in was it. just like, she, she waited for Halloween. I respect that. Yeah, she waited <laughs> for Halloween that. to be done and she was like, Christmas! I'm like, Christmas. Uh -huh. yes, yes. That's, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, I'm that it's kind of like, person. No, I'm not. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it's just like, you know, you have to watch um, The Nightmare Before Christmas so perfectly it transitions into the Christmas side of the story, of course, you know, like that is. And then it's just go time. It's go time. <laughs> There's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, my last recommendation that I'd like to hear or not a recommendation, but just your movie. I want to hear about one movie or show that you would love to experience for the first time again. Um, I I was gonna say I think it's hard because I think um I think there's so many movies it's just so hard to choose but I think um and I think I'm still discovering there's some of these classics that I I haven't had the opportunity to watch or stuff like that so I actually I find that I'm getting the feeling that I you know like. The one that you wished you hadn't seen and then like you're finally watching and you're watching at a time where you can actually like take in all the brilliance so i feel like i i do have that experience often but i think i guess one that i saw pretty young that i wish i could see for the first time now uh, and it, it'll be like a, ref a jane campion reference i think the piano because i saw the piano very young actually you know and, I, and so i think i saw it really in my like my girl's eye like i was really like like anna paquin i was just you know, like 11 or 12 or something. Um, so I, I, I wish I could see that one, like now completely, like having known nothing about it and just plunge into it because it's such a unique little um, universe. Like you, they're dropped into this island. You, you're like, what is this? What is even happening? Who is this character, this strong woman? Like, uh, so I, I really would have loved to, yeah, discover this one, yeah, for the very first time, like now. Lastly, you know, uh, I mean, I, I want to hear, is there a, I mean, and again, this goes to one of those questions that you can never answer with one person, um, but I would love to uh, hear a shout out to a woman in the industry that inspires you. Uh, oh my God, <laughs> these are so, um, a shout out. Um, I mean, I think it has to be, I guess it has to be Eva DuVernay. I, I don't know <laughs> who is more like, um, just, uh, impressive, talented, um, and also just like the, her spirit of lifting everybody else up as well. I just think it's really, it's, yeah, it's inspiring and it makes you think 
here in my community, what can I do as well? Once you once you move up the ranks to bring everybody else up, and um, you know, there's still such problems of representation for women, for BIPOC women in particular, for Black women in particular. But um, so I think it's just having someone like her as a role model. Um, yeah, it's just inspiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean that's he's everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so important to have those people in your life. Um, and uh, for people who who want to see more of you, who want to keep up to date, where where can they go? Where should they go? Where are you sending them? Um, Instagram, I guess, or face Facebook. <laughs> I think uh, on Facebook we have our Facebook page for for me as well that you can follow. Um, or else Salman and I are both on Facebook. I'm not. I'm not yet. TikTok is to to the next level for me. Twitter is is some 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 space scary, where I try. <laughs> I try, but it's so scary out there. So <laughs> hopefully, maybe it'll find uh, its balance right now, again. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's wild times. A, exactly. Mm, wild times. I'm. Wild I'm times. not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's complicated. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> Well, it it is, it is, it is. Is this the death of social media? I don't know. Am I happy about it? I don't know. I don't know how to feel. Yeah, it's Um, confusing. (laughs) But it's, it is very confusing. But it has been um, amazing talking with you, uh, amazing talking with you and and Sunday. And and hearing, you know, your passion and and your love for, for filmmaking and storytelling and Uh, and each other and and everyone else who's doing this work um uh, i'll let you have the last word um to those out there listening um is there anything you haven't yet said that you want them to know um i guess because it took seven years to make this film um it's such a passion project i think it's um in this industry sometimes they're always like you have to you know let the there's some babies that you'll have to let go of, you know, there's some of these projects that all get made, but like, I guess it's just the final note of the cheesiest final note of it, of, of all, but which is true. Like when there's a story you feel like you need to tell and it's your story to tell, then, then like, don't let anybody tell you otherwise, like do it, you know, I think that would be the final note, but thank you so much for having us on this uh, podcast. It's been wonderful to talk to you been a really a pleasure so thank you okay so um it is time where it is dark and cold and um sometimes a bit lonely as well and it's a weird time um and we've kind of curated a list of movies that have a wintry holiday spirit to them without necessarily being this is christmas because yeah. like like i don't see the point in recommending christmas movies everybody has like three christmas movies they like in their classic yeah. and i don't think they'll ever become they'll ever come like a new christmas movie yeah like it's done yeah the christmas They're movies over. are done not gonna... and also again like if you're not celebrating christmas it doesn't mean anything still, to you like yeah. They are, some of them have nothing to do with yeah, this time of the year snow. at all. Yeah. Sometimes it's snow, sometimes it's family, but other, like, some of these just have a vibe, and mm-hmm. that's it. This is, uh, that list. the criteria here was vibe. Mm-hmm. The criteria was also three women, uh, head of departments, mm-hmm. um, 
in every film and some of these barely made the cut but they made it okay so lauren do you want to start us off yes so our first actually movie that... sorry <laughs> hi i'm Arita. <laughs> hi i'm lauren <laughs> Okay. Okay. So the first one that we have on our list is Narnia: The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and uh, it came out in two thousand five, directed by Andrew Adamson. We've all pretty much seen Narnia, I think, especially yeah. I don't need to, and I know Santa also shows up in the first movie, but I think like the vibe that I'm that I recognize from it is just like the fur coats, the Mm -hmm. snow, um, Mister Tumnus, and that little red exactly that lamp. It's just it's like it's so good, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a kid, really, because it's just like you want to go outside and play. Like Mm -hmm. I remember watching it and just immediately going outside and pretending I was there, (laughs) but it's a fantastic film yes no love it so much what's your favorite moment from it (sighs) my favorite moment i I mean my favorite narnia movie is the second one and we know why interesting yeah well prince caspian is a big Mm -hmm. um contributor to the fact but i think that for the first one i really and it was scary as a kid but when mr tumnus in his house is like playing the flute and stuff oh my god the dancing in the fire scared the sh- I living know. Sh- like that i had me, like, nightmares deeply. i i don't like there was not a lot of stuff that scared me at that age but that that was bad it was too mystical it, it was it too was, much it's too much i'd probably be scared if i saw it again and i'm gonna watch all the movies on this list yeah I'm like not. i will be scared shitless when that comes on it's too eerie it but i think like now i really appreciate it. it's really oh, yeah. it's like the kind of mystical stuff i'm into now and the Definitely. soundtrack was excellent so that mm. little flute bit was he slayed so hard in yes. that and <laughs> i think like it just I th- it just had like so many similar undertones to other movies I had mm-hmm. been watching around that time, like Inkheart and stuff, which isn't a great mm-hmm. movie, but it's fantastic mm-hmm. anyways. But like, I really enjoyed that bit, I mm-hmm. think. Or maybe like the Turkish Delight bit as well. Yeah, Winter's Bone is a movie from 2010. It's directed by Deborah Granick. It stars Jennifer Lawrence. I think she was only like 17 or so when it came out. It was one of her first movies. It is like a chilly film. Like it has the pine tree forest and the crunchy boots on snow and rosy cheeks and that's kind of stuff. But it is a, a turmoil drama, like a th- almost veering on thriller. Um, so it's available to watch on Amazon Prime. And faced with an unresponsive mother and a criminal father, Ozark teenager Ray Dolly does what she can do to manage the household and take care of her two younger siblings. Informed by the sheriff that her father put their home up for bond and then disappeared, resets out on a dangerous quest to find him. Her entire family's fate now in her hands re-challenges her outlaw kin's code of silence and risks her life to learn her father's fate. Uh, yeah, uh, a little movie... That I would highly recommend. It feels very... It very much feels like a movie from 10 years ago that you would find, like, very randomly on Amazon Prime. Like, it is exactly what it is. You know, you'll just be looking through and then some, sometimes it's just one of those that hits you. Like, oh, yeah. What about this? So, yeah. Winterspoon, directed by Deborah Granick. It's The Little Princess. Um, A Little Princess. It came out in 1995 and it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. We, I think some of us might have probably seen this. Um, It's about this little girl whose father is a British officer and they're living in India and then he gets stationed somewhere and he has to send her to like a boarding school in New York Mm -hmm. that her mother attended who is dead, surprisingly enough. But (laughs) the mother is always dead. And it's pretty much just about her turmoils like in that boarding school and 
what happens after her father is found uh, missing in action and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an incredible movie. I literally cannot get enough of it every time I watch it. I will rewatch it and rewatch it like in the same hour. She is so like on a completely different mental frequency than everyone else in that movie. I mean, that little girl, like her character is so mature and so wise and like it's just incredible and like the love that she has with the other character who's um who's black and I think that that also had like a really big impact on the story as well Mm -hmm. because it was just like a symbol of the prejudice that they all had for that little girl and then like how she didn't because Mm -hmm. she grew up like with people of color and everything but I'm just I'm obsessed with it it's beautiful the costume design as well that's just everything the Mm -hmm. soundtrack it's absolutely beautiful it's I love it it's yeah. I yeah I, I I didn't remember by the title but then when I saw the picture, I was like oh my god this movie yeah I think there's also something to me around this time I just w- like to watch nostalgic movies mm-hmm. um and I think that's what a lot of these have is just a weird nostalgia a weird like yeah because uh, it's reminiscence to them yeah and it's like we weren't even around at that time no. but it's like it's like you watched mm-hmm. it when you were younger five years before you were exactly. born it's yeah. very weird. <laughs> I guess because, like, maybe your parents are like, oh, I loved this movie when I was, like, 28. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, me too. And it's like, <laughs> I was born in 2002, so. <laughs> but, oh, it is, I mean, and obviously there's good snowy moments mm-hmm. as well, so it just makes you feel cold and she's out on the streets quite a bit. So it reminds you mm-hmm. of when you're walking outside. Just, like, environmentally, it's a really strange time to be around. And so I think it is really important to cozy up and also romanticize it a mm. bit and try to find yeah the, the light in it like in it, because yeah. it's it's difficult makes you depressed it does so it does yeah like finding things that make you feel good even though i like i think almost all of the movies i picked are like psychological thrillers <laughs> and like just like because like to me winter is also like such a crime month like yeah blood yeah. on snow uh, but next up, we have Spencer. Uh, it's from 2021, directed by Pablo Larraine. Um, and it is this very fictionalized... It's, it's not a biopic. It's not a biopic of Princess Diana. It is an interpretation of a moment in time that she had um, on holiday with the royal family. Even though it's such a new movie, it still gives me the same feeling as these like nostalgic movies because... Well, both the way it's filmed, uh, shout out to Claire Mathon, who also shot my favorite film ever, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. She's, my God, the most amazing cinematographer out there. But basically, it, it follows Diana, played by uh, Kristen Stewart. It's it's so difficult to explain because I don't think anybody knew what... The, like, people had an idea of what this movie was going to be like. They were like, oh my God. like, but But it really went into a very different direction and not everybody liked it. I totally understand why everybody wouldn't like it. It, it It's not a biopic. Um, it is like... It feels like a very... Yeah, like a visual expression of, of emotions. Um, it is not true. It is not a, a reliant narrator. Um, it is just this explosion and it, it I think it's done wonderfully um and then it does take place during Chris like around Christmas time so it has yeah it has the crunch yeah I would be very interested to know what you think because again I don't think everybody will like it and there's nothing wrong with not liking it mm-hmm. it is definitely not everybody's cup of tea right, the next one is Phantom of the Opera um it's directed by Joel Schumacher Schumacher 
Schmucker, sorry. Um, we all know what Phantom of the Opera is, but I think the one that came out in 2004 was really freaking good. Obviously, I was two years old, but I remember mm. my parents dressing up as the Phantom and Christine on Halloween that year. It was kind of funny. It's just a really, it's an excellent movie. And, like, a lot of people didn't like Gerard Butler playing it because mm. they were like, he can't sing. But I liked it. Also because, like, the Phantom is a creep, but I think that <laughs> casting Gerard <laughs> Butler in it was, like, a mistake in a way because he's, like, too sexy for it, but... You know, that's a different topic of conversation. <laughs> but, I mean, um, Emmy Rosen is absolutely incredible, mm-hmm. and she was so young as well, and she's so beautiful. But I think that it's just, like, the details of the opera house mm-hmm. and the relationship between the cast members and everything. It's just so, like, it's it's woven so well. And then it's winter outside, so they're wearing, like, capes and stuff, yeah. and it's just cold and, like... Her, the makeup on her, I mean, she's just got, like, these flushed cheeks and, like, these big doughy brown eyes. And it's just, it contrasts so well against, like, that winter background. And it's just so good. It's, like, the snow when they're singing on that ceiling with Raul and whatever. And the Phantom is like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, it's just, it's, it's so immaculate because mm-hmm. it's just, like, they don't care about how cold it is. You know, they're too embroiled in their own, like, um, opera house family drama that... It just doesn't matter. And it's just, yeah. it's so gothic as well. So it's like, it's just like you said, like winter and murder. It's I've just excellent. It. You should. It's I've really good. I've never watched any, any, I, like you were like, we all know what Phantom of the Opera is. I don't. <laughs> well, the play, you like, know I, what it is. Well, I know the mask. That's just it. the mask. I just know that he has a mask yeah. on. Okay, well, if you don't know what Phantom of the Opera is, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an opera or like a play. Well, or I know like it's a, an opera. Okay, well, yeah. But that's in the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the Phantom of the Opera. I just don't know the plot. Okay. Oh, is he like a ghost? No. Okay, sorry. For those who don't know what Phantom of the Opera is, because they've been living under a rock, um, Phantom of the Opera, so it's about this young um, opera singer, mm-hmm. uh, Christine Daye, and she's like a dancer in this opera mm-hmm. house and whatever. And she's like really talented, and there's this like dude living in the opera's basement mm-hmm. who has like a history with the opera, but everyone doesn't really know he's there. And he's like, oh, she's so talented. I'm going to kidnap her and she's going to be my angel of music and teach her Mm -hmm. how to, like, really, you know, fulfill her singing potential. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's called, like, the Phantom, because they think he's a ghost, but it's just a dude living in the basement, a psychopathic man. Um, And it's basically just this whole thing where, like, Christine is in love with Raul, this guy she used to know when they were kids, but, you know, they're friends or whatever in love. But the Phantom is, like, obsessed with Christine and he's like, my angel of music. And Christine is like, I just want to sing, but she's like also kind of she's not like attracted to the Mm -hmm. phantom she's just like entranced by how beautiful his voice and talent is because this man is like very talented he just lives in the basement and then he kills people nice i i it sounds right up my alley i should watch it it's pretty good pretty dramatic yeah it sounds it and next up we have passing from 2021 uh, directed by Rebecca Hall. Now, this movie, I don't know if it's because it came out last December that I feel this way because there's nothing. I'm trying to think. Actually, there is there is snow. I think there is. I think towards the end, there's snow. I haven't watched it since last Christmas as well when I watched it with my dad. So there might just be, you know, uh, <laughs> a very recent nostalgia. <laughs> but it's uh, such a guttingly stunning movie about two black women in New York in the 1920s, one who has uh, decided to pass as white and another who does not. They used to be friends in school and then they meet each other for the first time and Tessa 
Thompson's character, she sees, sees her old friend who's now this whole other woman and they start to rekindle their friendship and it's it's a the sense the the feeling is bizarre but it is true and it is something that happened loads of times and it's incredibly complex it is not something that you can easily sum up uh, at all and I think the way it is is filmed as well the sound design is so crystal clear like the clicking of their heels on the pavement everything is so crisp the acting by Ruth and Tessa is incredible as well the way they look at each other, there's absolutely so much queer subtext underneath it as well. And it just makes the situation even more complex. And they act it in a way where you can, like, I didn't know it was based off a book. But you, the way they act, you can tell that it is. Because just in the way they look at each other, like, it, it's as if you can imagine um, the thoughts yeah, written in the books. Numbers, yeah. And they do it incredibly um because it's it's quite a silent movie as well there's no soundtrack it's quite quiet and done with so much tact and due diligence so passing uh on netflix highly highly recommend the next one is anna karenina it was directed by joe wright who i think also directed pride and prejudice which mm. most of us love i think we all can appreciate yeah. the Art, art of that that movie is but anna karenina is a really i haven't read the book or anything but the movie itself is very interesting because it's very like like the beginning is very theater-esque mm-hmm. like she she's she's walking and the rooms shift mm-hmm. the rooms change she's not really it's it's like a set really it's yeah. it's absolutely incredible to watch because like i'm just wondering i haven't looked into it or anything but like i'm just wondering how it was filmed and mm-hmm. you know how they did it because like the detail to everything costume design set it's so beautiful and the soundtrack as well is just excellent you know but aside from you know the interesting bits of the movie itself it is very wintry because they're in russia you know so most of the time like there are a couple of scenes in summer and spring and everything but the rest of it they're just in these furs and thick Mm -hmm. dresses and it's just so glamorous and luxurious and like i think that um just like the beauty of like that russian architecture and everything as well is very it's very wintry and it just kind of makes you appreciate like how it can not be so gray and dull i think but i i watched it last year and it was pretty interesting but it's one of my recent favorites mm-hmm. no it's it's a beautiful movie i think mm-hmm. i i feel like i read the book when i was like 14 but because it was so convoluted in russian i don't remember <laughs> it and i'm like i know i read it but like i don't I, yeah yeah it's just <laughs> gone um then i've got the perks of being a wallflower from 2012 Written and directed by Stephen Chabosky? Chabosky? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, by Stephen. This movie, I don't know. Like, I'm sure everybody here is somewhat familiar with it. Um, It is one of my favorite books. I can read it in a day, genuinely. (laughs) And there's, there's a Christmas scene in there, which is quite essential to the entire, like, it kind of changes the direction of the entire movie because everything was going so well and then shit fucks up but it's such an earnest portrayal of um of just a vulnerable young boy who's gone through a lot and who's just trying to his best to be kind and get through high school it is not it is not an edgy movie. It really isn't. I think it is incredibly wholesome and sad. But people tend to kind of flock it in with 
like the, the skins and mm-hmm. John Green, like um, oh, search looking for Alaska, looking for Alaska, like looking for Alaska skins, that kind of whole ordeal, like cigarettes and stuff like that. There are drugs and there is sex in it and stuff like that, but it's oh yeah, my god, yeah. it is such a kind, like it is such a tragically kind-hearted movie in book, and I just I wish I I hope like if you haven't seen it and if you only know it because it's connected to this very particular tumblr aesthetic maybe take a moment and watch it and try to remove your bias it's a really gutting movie and and it feels very true not necessarily i don't you know it it does feel extreme at sometimes because it's a very heightened movie um, and people are like, well, all this stuff didn't happen to me in high school. But some people definitely did happen. But in other ways, I think in the same way that Spencer has this kind of visual expressionism, it feels like it is just a way of putting out all the intense, intense feelings you have when you're a teenager. And that might not be the reality, but it still feels incredibly intense. And to convey that through movies, I feel like you do have to create very heightened um yeah just experiences so yeah the perks of being a wallflower will always be very near and dear to me i have to read the book i mm-hmm. i feel like i just stopped reading books with teenagers in it like after mm-hmm. i turned like 18 as i was like fed up but i and i didn't read it before mm-hmm. so i think that was like to me yeah. that was like a missed opportunity i was like okay too yeah. bad i just didn't do it and i uh-huh. did see the movie a long time ago mm-hmm. but i think i was I should have read the book first and then seen the movie because I was I was too young and I I didn't appreciate it. I was yeah. just like, oh, Logan Lerman and Emma Watson, and then just cried a lot. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do need to read the book uh-huh. really bad. Yeah, and I think oh, fuck. What was I gonna say? Okay, he's fourteen. Mm-hmm. He's it's not a like I think um, specifically fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen year old like coming of age content can be extremely cringy when you're not that age but because he's a very young teenager like he's a baby teenager it's very different okie dokie (laughs) well the next one on my list is gremlins 1984 Mm -hmm. directed by joe dante i haven't seen gremlins in a long time however it is a movie that takes place, like, during the holidays. There's even, like, one of the characters, her dad, dressed mm-hmm. up as Santa, came down the chimney, got stuck, and died in there. Um, so it's, it's very, it has very Christmassy undertones, but it's Gremlins. It's a horrible movie, because it's Gremlins. I think that it's just something fun for you to watch, like, on the holidays that isn't Elf or anything that's mm-hmm. a little more Christmassy without it being too Christmassy. Yeah. Um, and definitely nostalgia both for you and your parents yeah your dad will love it just put it on he'll sit there for two hours watching it and be very very happy like when you put the goonies on you know but it's just a fun movie because like because it was made in the 80s you know obviously like the effects and everything that they used were pretty good for that time but like it is so strange to watch it now Mm -hmm. after watching like avatar the new one you know mm. like just the cgi compared to the yeah. <laughs> it's incredible it's incredible to witness um and yeah it's just funny watching those little gremlins mm. around and stuff i once went out with a dude who had a gremlins collectible <laughs> plushie sitting on top of his wardrobe it was weird to make eye contact with a lot so i think it's a lot of people do like the movie <laughs> a lot of people do like uh. it and they enough to c- have collectibles so yeah it's definitely like a like a uh, an Amer- a classically American favorite, if you will. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Yes. Yep. 
That's my last suggestion. Um, And then finally, um, and this one really isn't a Christmas movie at Mm -hmm. all, but because it it has this very intense family element, um, I think it is something that would be great to watch with your family uh, like during this holiday season um, or by yourself if you're like it's just uh, it, it has it has feelings it has real feelings and that is The Farewell from 2019 directed by Lulu Wang if I think most people listening to this podcast will be familiar with Lulu Wang's work and this movie but it very quickly it's um, about a Chinese family and they find out that their grandmother is very soon about to pass away and so they arrange uh, a wedding um, and they are their conflicts um, and there is love and tenderness and cross-cultural miscommunication and just oh it's um it's a really beautiful movie and I think especially for these past few years where a lot of people have experienced loss it feels like a movie that really um makes peace with it it and honors family um and I would highly recommend people watch it if you haven't already I think it it's really one that brings you together, um, but not superficially so, um, but get really gets into it as well. And um, it's just stunning. And then Lula Wings. Perfect. I think that's also the best thing I've seen Aquafina in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because it's like not comedy. Movie. Like it's yeah. because it is this drama. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really, it's just a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen all of it. I saw like half mm-hmm. through the ending because my mom was watching it uh-huh. and I was just like, you know, and just like stand. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what are you watching? Post, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I definitely just sit down uh-huh. and like watch all of it because mm-hmm. I, I was really excited to watch it yeah. and I just never did. Mm-hmm. But yeah. me too. And yeah, I think what we kind of wanted to do here is just provide a list of movies of all different kinds of genres from all different like moments in time. Um, very, very like a, a very wide range of of movies um to watch by yourself or with your family or your loved ones whoever it is that you're with and especially if you are kind of the film person in your family and they will ask Mm -hmm. what should we watch um here are some ideas here are some ideas that are not uh home alone and the terrifying (laughs) polar express (laughs) you know um and obviously there are like classics like little women i think it's just the consequential like christmas but not christmas movie uh all the harry potter movies like there are these like but you are you already you're already gonna watch them so here we just kind of wanted to you know massage your brain a little bit exactly and yeah we'll see you we'll try to make a round table work for next week but you're gonna be in the u.s and i'm gonna be in spain so we'll make it work we'll We'll find a way we will life finds a way Santa, Santa will find a way for us. Christmas work. It, it is. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fun. It'll be nice. Yes. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Making a Women in Film. I hope you have a wonderful holiday time. Um, and uh, yeah, just watch some good movies. Yeah. Truly, just what better time than now to just sit up and watch like... <laughs> At least five movies a day, you know. That's what you gotta do. Wake up at noon. Uh It just it just gotta be nonstop. Put a sweater on while you were sleeping. Yes. Yep. Yes. I just had to say I love that movie. I just had to (laughs) slip it in there. I was looking for a way in. 
Are you asleep in this excellent film starring Sandra Bullock? <laughs> it's not past. It didn't pass it the didn't list. Pass our criteria. But it's very sweater in Chicago. If you like, um, when Harry met Sally, but yeah. less. I mean, generally, for, like, movies like these, I would just consider, like, looking back into movies that make you feel warm and, like, has, like, uh, yeah, nostalgia to it. Like, I was like, Bridge to Terror, yeah, and then it did not make the cut. It didn't pass. so sad. I was excited for that one. But, you know, these are very specific to us. Um, But just watch movies that make you happy, even if they're not happy movies. (laughs) Even if they're, like, going to torment you and scar you, like... Like The Hunt. (laughs) Yes, like The Hunt and also, like, The Flames of Narnia. (laughs) The Flames of Narnia. (laughs) What's worse, The Hunt by Thomas Winterberg or The Flames of Narnia? Well, I haven't... The thing is, I haven't seen The Hunt, and The Hunt is, like, terrifying in a realistic way. It is really just the most horrible movie, but it is so fucking good. Um, And it didn't make the past, but we just had so many movies that I was like... Yeah. So, uh, if you want to watch The Hunt, um, it's a Danish movie, um, original title, Jakten. It's directed by Thomas Winterberg. <sighs> I, I can't even get into it. It's just the most complex movie um, that makes you feel... I, I will never rewatch really it in my life. I don't think I ever will, because it's makes me sick to my stomach. But it's excellently made. So, anyway, um, happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Um, have, a, have a great week. We'll see you. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Making It Women in Film, a podcast produced by Bonnie and Bra and LS Films. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by subscribing to us wherever you're listening and leave a review or a rating. It'll only take you a few clicks, but it'll mean the world to us. You can also check out our website, womeninfilm.co.uk, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Making It Women in Film, and feel free to shoot us an email at makingwomeninfilm at gmail.com if you have any questions or inquiries or anything at all, and we'll try to get back to you. All right, guess I'll just see you next week. Bye.